we are expecting this morning to hear from the Lord. Amen. And I want to start today just in, in prayer. We don't just do anything, as Pastor Grant says. But let's pray. Let's, let's agree together that, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we may know his plan, his purposes, and his will for our lives. So let's agree in prayer. Father, we thank you that we get to gather together in your name. And we know that Jesus said in his word that where two or more are gathered together in your name, that there you are in the midst. So, Father, we thank you that we are a church that has eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. All for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we've been talking about how we can know the will of God. And it's been a wonderful series. I've been getting so much out of it. I've been a lot more aware of my inner man, my spirit being, of what God is speaking to me in our hearts. Because as you guys know, I mean, I'm not sure if you know many people, but I've known many people who would say like, oh, I want to hear God's voice or I want to know God's will. Many people say they want to know God's will, but they don't know where to look. They tend to look for external things. They tend to look for a sign like have, God, if you want me to do this, have five red cars past my house, then I know it's your will. And depending on how much you want it to be his will, you make the, the, um, the, uh, yeah, you make the, um, the fleece really intense or really small. Like, God, if you want me to do this, um, then make sure that, like, if you want me to cross the street and I make it across the street and I don't even get hit by a bus, obviously it was your will. Or if you want me to marry this person, when I ask them, have them say yes. Like, those kinds of things. And, you know, if we can know the will of God by what he has said in his word. And so we want to start off today in Romans chapter 8. And um, I love that Bible reading, though, because this new covenant, we operate in a different way of how God speaks to us. Because in the Old Testament, how they heard God's voice was they heard it through, um, either through a prophet, like Moses would have to tell the Israelites what God was saying. So they never had that direct contact with God. But in this new covenant, like I love how it's worded, it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, after those, after those days of the law. Jesus has come. He died on the cross for our sin. He was resurrected for our justification and that we can become born again because of what Jesus has done. And this is the new covenant. He says, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and he'll be my people. All of a sudden you can know the will of God from that relationship where his will, his plan for your life is no longer out there somewhere for someone else to tell you what his plan for your life is. All of a sudden his will can be known in our hearts because our hearts have been born again. So let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 14. I'll start in verse 12. It says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies or bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so in this, just like these few verses here, this is how we can know the will of God, is that our hearts, when we receive Jesus as Lord of our life, our hearts have been 
born again. They have made, been made alive unto God. That means we are now capable of knowing God's will, understanding God's will, and fulfilling God's will because of what Jesus has done. That's such good news. That makes me excited because it's like what we, what we once were trying to do in our own flesh, trying to earn God's approval, trying to find out what he said through all these external things. We now are capable in our inner man to hear what God is saying to us. And the Holy Spirit is bearing witness in our spirit saying, yes, you are a child of God. Amen. And that is the very first place we start to know the will of God is you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit in the side of you right now is bearing witness with your spirit that you are born again, made righteous, completely redeemed, completely redeemed from the curse of the law, restored. And when God looks at you, he sees holiness. He sees righteousness. And that's what the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit for. So the main thing I want to get across today is when we are born again, our hearts are designed to hear from God. That's good news. Our hearts are designed to hear from God. If you think about it in the beginning of creation, Adam and Eve, they were born for that relationship with God. That was always God's heart was, I want my people to know me and I want to know my people and for my will to be put through, for them to live out my will. And that was God's plan from the beginning. And then when sin came, that was severed. And so Jesus had to come to restore that so then we could again have that relationship with God so that he can speak to our hearts and bear witness again that yes, you are my child. Yes, you are my son. Yes, you are my daughter. And here's my plan for your life. You don't have to look out elsewhere. You can just know by in your heart, in your heart. So when we are born again, our hearts are designed to hear from God. And we do this by two things. Number one is keep a clear conscience. And number two, walk in the light that you have. Both things are very simple, may not be as easy to actually live out, but they're simple. So those are the things we're gonna talk about. So in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, if we have that on the screen, or you can turn in your Bibles as well, Proverbs 20, 27. It says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. So what that scripture is talking about is God will speak to us. He will speak to us in our spirit, right? He bears witness in our spirit. So keeping a, a clear conscience, um, Acts 24, verse 16, we can go back to that as well. So this is Paul talking, Acts 24, 16. Can turn it to it as well. Got it. We got it. So Paul is just, he's making a speech and he says, in view of this, I also do my best, or he says in a different translation, I exercise myself to maintain always a blameless conscience before God and before men. So our conscience, when we are born again, our conscience becomes, it's soft. You know, like, uh, have you ever, I think of the gym because that's when I know, know. But like, you know when like you got like nice tender hands, they're, you know, use moisturizer. They're clean, they're soft, they're tender. And you can like feel everything because it's like they're, they're tender. They're, you know, yeah, they're smooth. And then when you start, you know, either maybe you have a, a manual job labor, labor, manual labor, like a bricky or something like that. And also your, heart, your hands start to get callous, don't they? Yeah. And I know that from the gym. I remember one time my, um, 
my uh, PT, he got like a brand new, um, what do I call those things, like a rig. So it was like brand new metal, still very fresh. And uh, he was telling me to do these like CrossFit kipping pull-ups that aren't, may not be the best thing to do. But anyways, I was doing them. And it basically just tore right through here on both sides of my hands. And that's a very, um, that's a very tender part. That was a part that never had any roughness or friction there before. And so when I looked down, they were just like shredded open and bleeding. And I didn't want to tell them because I didn't want to seem like you know, a wuss. I didn't want to be a wuss. So I was like, oh, so I just kept going and just kept doing it. And it just tore and tore. And oh man, that excruciating pain of that. But eventually, because you keep doing it, repeated friction then becomes a callus. And all of a sudden you can no longer feel that metal bar. And so our conscience is something that is so precious. Our hearts are so precious. It says in Proverbs chapter four, it says to guard your heart above all else. For out of it flows the issues of life. And I remember growing up, my mom would always say to us, protect your heart. And I'd be like, what does that even mean? What does it mean to protect your heart? And why your heart? And you know, it's, as you read in uh, Proverbs chapter 20, that's the spirit of man that is the candle of the Lord. It means that the, the Lord, God will speak to us and will bear witness with our spirit. And so we want to intentionally keep our hearts clean before him. We want to do things that are pleasing in his sight. And um, so, you know, my mom would tell us, like, there's different movies we would watch as kids. And some of them had lots of violence or lots of swearing. And my mom would, like, call down to us from the basement. She'd be like, are you protecting your heart? And uh, my brothers would look at I and would like, no. She's like, well, like, why are you watching it? That's a good question. Why? Because we kind of, there's, there's something in the flesh, right, that likes to watch those things. I like to watch those horror films. There's something in the flesh. But when you, it starts to bother you. Have you ever been in a situation where it's like, I knew I shouldn't have done that, and yet you did it? But like you knew beforehand, like something was telling me I shouldn't have done that. Yes. <laughs> it's the mercy of God sometimes that worse things don't happen. But you know, we want to learn to be quick to listen to that. If something's bothering you, yeah. check up why. That's good. Why is that bothering me? Because when you are quick to identify it and quick to follow how to get out of it, what you're doing is you're protecting your heart. That's good. And it, it says in Proverbs, right? Protect your heart above all else. Yeah. Above everything. Because out of it flows the issues of life. This is where we live our life from. We don't live our life according to external circumstances of what's happening to us. We live our life from what's happening on the inside of us. And from there, we respond to situations. Yeah. So when you on purpose, you guard that heart, you protect it. And you follow that when those things are bothering you. You're quick like, okay, God, why is this bothering me? Why is this hurting me? And sometimes, you know, like those, um, a lot of that I've noticed in my own life, a lot of it happens with my relationships. If I've said something that I know I shouldn't have said, or I did something I know I shouldn't have done, and then something, my heart just starts to just, oh, that's not right. I should I need to deal with that. And the thing is, is that more times we don't deal with it, our heart becomes calloused. Because it's, what does it do? You're going against you're going against what you know is right. Yeah. You're going against your conscience. So, and um, we'll turn to Ephesians. No, we'll go to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 2. So it says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, 
Some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. They're seared in their own conscience. And you'll be amazed if you actually just look for this word conscience in the New Testament, it is there in almost every single epistle. And it's something we kind of just skim over, not even aware about how important our conscience is. But it's amazing that, like, they will fall away from the faith. So these are talking about Christians, believers, will fall away, paying attention to things that are deceitful, spirits and doctrines of demons. So things that are going against what you know is right. And what's happening is that your, your heart is becoming seared. So we want to think back again to we've been born again. Our hearts are soft, they're tender towards the Lord, and we want to keep it that way. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17 to 19 says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Next scripture. Because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous. And they haven't become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. And the next verse says, but you have not so learned Christ. We didn't learn that way of living from Christ. Jesus lived a holy life. He was quick, or he listened to the inward man. He followed his conscience fully. And so these people, again, constantly going away from that, from what they know is right in their heart. And then what's happening? Your heart, and that's friction. I actually looked up what a callus is, and it simply said the callus is result of repeated friction. Wow. So this doesn't happen, um, you know, within a one time going against your conscience. It's a repeated thing that you do, and it becomes hardened over time. So that's the good news: is that you know you can be quick to follow that, follow that your heart, what's happening on the inside of you, and you want to get tender again. The good news is, is that. I have no longer, I haven't done CrossFit in a long time, so this, my little uh, skin now is now, thanks Luke, <laughs> um, is now, it's tender again. And that's the good thing, that's the mercy of God is that me may have been hardened in one spot before, but you know, by the mercy of God, our hearts can become soft again. Amen. I'm going to show you an example um, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, and this is a story of David. And so in this story, so David, you guys know about David, King David, he um, was made to be king after God rejected Saul. But in this time, Saul was chasing after David, wanting to kill David. And um, so David and his men are hiding in this cave because Saul and his whole army is after him. He's ready to kill him. And David was, was, was going to be king. And yet Saul is still king at this time. And so this is where the story takes place. And in verse 1, it says, Now when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. That's a lot of people after you. Saul and 3,000 men are coming to kill you. And it says, He came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. 
Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day which the Lord said to you. Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. It's funny that people will tend to tell you when's the right time to do something. Right. Or people have their own opinion of what God's will is for your life. But you know what? You know in your heart what is the right thing to do if we learn just to listen to that inward witness. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit. So it says, Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. So just imagine, so David is in this cave, right? So Saul comes in to relieve himself. And David's been like, go, now's your chance to kill him. So David like sneakily goes in there. And what does he do? He cuts off a corner of his robe. A corner of his robe. And in verse 5, this is the key. It says, and it came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him. Because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. It bothered David's heart that he did that. It bothered his heart. It, bo- it's, it says his conscience bothered him. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. Now afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, saying, My lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men, saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord has had given you today into my hand in the cave, and some said to kill you. But my eye had pity on you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now my father, see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. No one perceived that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you. He had a clear conscience. And you know, it is such freedom to live with a clear conscience. It is such freedom when your conscience is not bothering you because I don't know about you, but with my parents telling me all the time, protect your heart, protect your heart. I learned from a young age, praise the Lord, that it's so important to keep that clear. And in uh, Psalm 32, it's David actually, this is David as well, he says this. He says, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Praise the Lord, we're in the New Testament, we're in the New Covenant, so our sin is not just covered, our sin has been completely eradicated where God does not remember our deeds no more. So, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You're blessed because you're free. Yeah. You're free because you followed your conscience, you know what is right, and you live in that. You live in freedom, and because that freedom, it produces a boldness in you where you know you can stand before God and say, Lord, I have followed my conscience. I have followed your will for my life and I can come boldly to your throne. Yeah. Yeah. It produces that boldness in you, that confidence in you. And the thing is too, is to understand that when your conscience does bother you, you know, it doesn't bother God in the sense that you made a mistake and now your conscience is bothering you. That's a perfect time to go to him and to ask how to deal with it. <clears throat> Because having, having a clear conscience does not mean you don't make a mistake, yeah. right? Because I mean, we're, we're going to make a mistake, but having a clear conscience means you are quick to repent of it and quick to get it right. Yeah. 
That's our attitude. That's how we want to live our life, is to pay attention to that. As soon as it bothers you, okay, God, this is bothering me. Why is this bothering me? I know my mom, my mom was telling me a story even of this a little bit, where she, um, she was just dealing with some hurt, a lot of hurt, and she brought it to the Lord. She's like, why is this bothering me so much? And the Lord told her that you are not a victim to what happened to you. And then he gave her words to speak to help get, to get over that. Because she said that to her that her conscience was bothering her because of, of what happened in this relationship. And so, but the, yeah, the Lord gave her those words to speak. And so that goes back to the point of um, that our hearts are born again, or we are, we are born again, our hearts are designed to hear from God. And we do this by keeping a clear conscience and walking in the light that you have. So we want to keep our conscience clear. And the thing is, God will also give you light on how to keep it clear. He will show you what to do. He'll give you words. He'll give you statements to say, or he'll give you an action to do to help keep your conscience clear. So um, like even in my own life as well, as I remember um, a few years ago, God gave me an instruction to well, the first thing in the morning, Chloe said to me, what you are to do is just spend time with me before you do anything else. Spend time with me. And because I used to have the habit of, I'd wake up and the first thing I would do is I'm going to the gym, I'm going to work out, and then I'll come back and I'll spend time with God after that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, what God told me to do to help me where I was at at the time was to go and spend time with him first. And um, just recently, since starting a new full-time job, I was like, I'm like trying to organize my time here and I'm like, okay, well, Lord, what I'll do is I will go back to going to the gym first and I'll come back and spend more time with you because I'll have more time really if I go to the gym first and then, because I won't be able to, I won't be so rushed. I'm trying to justify this in my mind, but in my heart, my heart was bothering me about it and I did it for about a week. And by that Saturday, I'm just like, ah, oh, I can't, I cannot do it because it just bothered me so much. And it wasn't that God was condemning me, it was my own heart that was like, Chloe, you know, God gave you light on to do on what you were supposed to do. And I went against it. And as soon as I switched it back to spending time with him first in the day, just that peace, that settle where he was just, you can just, you're clear again. You're clear, you're clean on the inside to follow that. Because it is not fun when your conscience is bothering you about those things. So just to, you wanna be quick, quick to follow that leading, quick to follow that. Um, in Hebrews chapter 9, we'll go to Hebrews here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14, it says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We have a cleansed conscience. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. I think it's verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Praise the Lord. Yes. Because of the blood of Jesus, our hearts are cleansed. A clean conscience. And you know, I, I know people who have gone against their conscience and you know what, they're not free. 
We live with this constant state of guilt, this constant state of condemnation, and God does not take pleasure in condemnation. It does not bring him joy. It, what brings him joy is for those of us who walk with that clean conscience because his blood paid for that clean conscience. Yeah. That's what he takes pleasure in, is in that joy, yeah. is in that freedom. So we want to maintain that clean conscience. So we always, you know, again, protect your heart. So I'm, my mom told it to me, I'm going to say it to you. Protect your heart. <laughs> protect your heart. When you go to that movie and you're like, oh, this is bothering me, be quick to shut it off. Yeah. Shut it off because you don't think it's a big deal. It is. Because what it's doing is it's getting on the inside of you, right? And it's creating that friction. Those things that you know you shouldn't be watching is creating that friction. Or when, the, when in your heart you're feeling, I need to ask this person to forgive me. Be quick to follow that. Yeah. <clears throat> you may not want to. Your flesh may argue against you. But when you follow the Spirit and His leading, it's always going to bring you life. That's good. It's always going to be the right thing to do. Yeah. quick to follow that maybe it's even about giving the Lord starts telling you start start giving it may not be it's the tithe and it may not be 10% but do what is on your heart to do where you're at you know with as Soroa said this morning with the widow who had two mites again it's not about the amount it's about what you know to do what God's putting in your heart to do when you follow that you're walking with a pure conscience that's really good that's so important. It's such freedom. Second point, so walk in the light that you have. So Psalms 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We can always know the will of God by what he has said in his word. His word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And in verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we can be simple sometimes, but the entrance or the unfolding of his words, it gives light. There's um, a minister who um, we highly admire, Keith Moore. He's telling a story of when he first got born again and walking after the Lord. He just he wanted to hear God's voice so bad. He just wanted to know God's will. And he, this went on for months where he would be up in the middle of the night saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because in his heart, his heart knew there's something more. There's something more. And he kept on getting that. And he tried to seek out God in, like, in different external things. And it, for month after month, it went on and on. And he'd be just like crying out to God and saying all these things. And he would get nothing. So finally, in the middle of the night, he just, he's like, no, I'm just going to be quiet. And I'm just going to just listen in me. Because the thing is, how many of you guys have ever had that? You know, there's more. There's more. That's your conscience speaking to you. Because what, there is more. So again, you want to follow that. And so that's what he was doing. He was following that. And so he just spent that time. He's just like, hey, Lord, I'm just going to settle down. What is it that you have for me? And the Lord said this to him. He said, I have already spoken to you in my word. Find out what I have said in my word, and if I have anything else to say to you, I'll let you know. <laughs> so it starts in here. Psalm 37, verse uh, 36, verse 9, sorry. Yeah, that one. It says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light 
we see light. So we start right here in his word. In his light, we see more light. So walk in the light that you have. Do what you know to do. And for me, that is wake up in the morning, first thing I do, talk to the Lord, spend time with him. It's not about, you know, you have to do this, you have to do it this way, or else God's going to be mad at you. It's not a law. It's, it's the fact that his law is written on our hearts, right? So it's, it's to, it takes it from having to do something to earn God to following the light that you have. What is right for you and with where you are at right now in your relationship with God? Because that's going to look different for everyone, because everyone's at different places, which is another reason why we cannot judge people. Because you don't know the light that they have. You can't, you can't, I mean, sometimes people will say, well, if I was in their shoes, I never would have done that. How do you know? You don't know the light that they have. So we don't, yeah, we don't, we don't judge. We, we are responsible for what we know. Right. And we want to keep that pure. James uh, 4, 17. It says, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So what is that doing? It's that friction again. You're going against what you know is right. So what's the way to counteract that? Just do it. Do what you know to do. Walk in the light that you have. I remember um, there was a time in my own life and I was about, I think, 18 or so. And uh, it was just, I was going through this time where I was just rebellious. And it was a time, I call it my sin period, because <laughs> that's kind of what it was. And I knew it was wrong. My conscience was bothering me. Oh my goodness. And I ignored it for months. And to, even to the point where like my parents asked me like straight out a question and I looked at them in the eye and I lied to them. And oh man, it just bothered me. And then, you know, but you, you can act like your conscience is not bothering you, right? You can, I went to church and I was like, yeah, praise God, God is so good, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. And then I'd be asking God, God, where do you want me to go? And then I'm not hearing anything. I'm not getting anything. Why? Because I'm going against my own conscience. I'm going, I'm, it's becoming seared or I'm, I'm feeling, I'm not hearing. It's not like, it's not because God's not speaking. It's because I'm not hearing. And so after a while, um, so remember I was like, spending the time with the Lord in prayer and you know, my own heart was, you know, talking to me like, you need to repent of this. You need to repent of this, but kept pushing it down, kept pushing it down. And then I remember one time I was just on my knees because, you know, guilt can really weigh you down. Yeah. And I was on my knees before God and I'm like, God, help me. I want, I don't want to live like this. I want to walk righteously before you. And he said to me, tell your mom. <laughs> I was like, get behind me, Satan. I, I shut my Bible. I'm like, I am not doing that. I, there's no way I'm doing that. So I got off the floor. I'm like, nope. And I walked away. And oh man, again, my conscience is bothering me. The thing is, it gets easier and easier the more you ignore it. Right? Like, like calluses after a while, you just don't even feel them anymore. You can like put a whole knife through them. And you can't even feel it. And uh, but the mercy of God, the mercy of God, I was, um, I was meeting with a pastor and uh, she was kind of like, she was a mentor for me at the time. And she um, asked me flat, she just asked me straight out this uh, question about what I was doing. And it was, I, by the mercy of God, she asked me this question because in my heart, I knew that if I don't come, if I don't bring this to light, 
something worse is going to happen. Right? Because God will protect us as much as he possibly can. But there will come a point where there's consequences for what you do. And so by the mercy of God, I just, I just told her the truth. And I said, this is what's been going on. And she looked at me and she said, you need to tell your mom. I was like, ah. And so I, like, like an hour after that, I called my mom and said, mom, when I come home after youth tonight, I have to tell you something. And she's like, okay. And uh, so I remember coming home and I just sat on the couch and I, I told her what was going on. And um, she's like, well, I'm going to tell your father. So. She wakes up my dad, wakes him up. First of all, not good. So he wakes him up, brings him down the stairs, and um, and my dad just looks at me, he hugs me, and he says, Chloe, go and sin no more. And just the freedom that came. As David said, blessed is the man whose sin is not counted against him. The freedom that comes when you just, if there is something bothering you, just get, bring it to the light. Because in his light, we see light. And that, so from that day, I, I, I had to go through some things out of that because, I mean, there are consequences to sin and I had to learn some things. But it was only about two months after that when God, I was in a position then when God, when I asked the Lord, Lord, what do I do with my life now? And that's when he said, Rama, Australia. I would not have heard that if I would have continuously went against the light that I had. If I would have continuously went against my conscience. Because then, when you bring it to light, in his light, we see light. So from that light, when it came out clean, it came out to the open, man, the freedom that was there, and then he gives you, go to Ram Australia. And here I am, seven years later, Praise the Lord. And I just look back on it. Sometimes it just brings me to tears because of his mercy. We don't deserve it. But because of Jesus has cleansed us from an evil conscience, let's walk in his light. We can walk in his will. And it says, it says about David, it says that David was a man after God's own heart because he accomplished the will of God. And that's what we as a church, how we can know God's will how we can be clear to hear, keep those things um, open before him, is number one, keep a clear conscience. And number two, walk in the light that you have. So good. Let's stand up, let's worship God. God is so good. He is so merciful. You know, if there's anything that's bothering you, ask, ask God for light. Sometimes light hurts, because it exposes. But that exposure is good. You know, that expression, it hurts so good. That's exactly what it is. It hurts so good so we can know his will for our lives. You guys want to sing that last song?